Welcome to the On Target Living Podcast, a place where health and human performance meet. So welcome, Dr. Phil. This is another podcast with you. This is a treat for me and uh, hopefully our viewers and listeners. Um, But we kind of want to go to continue our conversation about the mind. And you and I were talking before about you know, habits and how do people build habits and you talk about the conscious mind, so unconscious, subconscious. So help us understand a little more about habits are built and how the mind works. Yeah, habits are built through repetition, basically. But a lot of the habits that guide our behavior were developed by the time we're seven or eight years of old. These are the emotional patterns, the reactive patterns that really are underneath almost all the behavioral patterns that we develop, like eating habits and these kinds of things. So the, we have to understand the habit means an unconscious piece of directive behavior. If a habit becomes conscious, you have the choice. But until you're conscious of the habit pattern itself, the habit controls the behavior. So we got three different dimensions of mind that we can talk about. Conscious mind, where we think we know everything and control everything. But actually the conscious mind is an excuse maker for the unconscious mind. Right. It just really follows the directions coming out of the deeper patterns hidden in the mind. Subconscious mind is what you're aware of when we're talking to each other. Mm-hmm. But if I say, what's the bottom of your left foot feeling? Well, you're not aware of that, but you, you, you direct your attention, you become aware of it. Before you were aware of it, that was in your subconscious mind. Mm, subconscious. So okay. whatever is in your subconscious, you can access pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But if I ask you, what does your spleen feel like? Well, most people are going to say, well, you know, where is this thing? Right. So um, that, prob- that is a problem with developing self-control. And that was where the biofeedback became very helpful because biofeedback made you more conscious of the patterns in your mind that actually change the behavior in the body. Mm. So you can watch the thoughts and the feelings that would shift the tension in the muscles, for instance, or in the, in the blood flow or whatever we were measuring at sure. that time. So the whole idea is to expand awareness into deeper and deeper levels of the mind. And as we do that, you begin to discover more and more access to the deeper resources of the mind. So the first thing, if I go inside through the the meditation practice, because meditation is actually the best tool that we have for this. First, you develop your power of concentration, then you learn to take it inwards, and that inward concentration becomes refined into a meditation practice. But as you go in and you expand your awareness, the first thing you become aware of, oh, geez, there's tension in my body. So you begin to relax it. And the key isn't that you're really doing anything different except expanding what you're conscious of. Right? I can remember when I worked at the, at the bio, when I ran the biofeedback clinic, people would come in with TMJ problems. Right? Most of these people were, would be suppressing their anger. They'd get angry and then they'd just, and you can see their jaw muscles jumping, right? Because of the anger. Sure, right. But they weren't saying anything. They said, no, I'm not angry. You know, kind of thing. I've actually had sure. a guy pound on the table saying, I'm not really angry. Right? Well, I don't know what you were. Anyhow, right. So the, the way, or one of the ways we helped solve that problem was I said, I want you to take a little notebook. And every, every, during the day, every time you find yourself clenching your jaw, you have to put a little mark in it. Mm-hmm. And that began to sensitize them to the time that they were starting to clench their jaw. They would start out, they'd have a lot of marks, but after a couple of weeks, there would be very few marks, but then their TMJ would begin to disappear. Because they're going, they're countering that habit of jaw tension, 
which mm. sustained the TMJ and which actually would lead to headaches in the temples and the head, see? But if we go deeper, as you expand your awareness inside through the unconscious levels of mind, typically you become aware of your creative matrix. Mm. So you have more choices. You see, you're able to fluidly see things more differently, hear things more differently because you're, you're seeing that process occurring at a deeper level mm. in the mind. If you go deeper into the mind, and I'm, I'm skipping several resources that come up. I hit sure. some of the top ones. If you go deeper in the mind, you reach in touch with the inner core, that still point in the mind, that inner stillness where there's no conflict. We call that the balanced mind. And the balanced mind is the source of genuine inner strength. If you can touch that inner strength, you have genuine self-confidence. If you build your confidence on, on success, you're building your confidence on insecurity because you never know when it'll work or not. Sometimes you're successful, sometimes you're not going to be. So you can't really build success on that. You have to go to your inner strength where success and failure isn't irrelevant to that. It's always there. So the pathway to building self-confidence isn't really being successful. It's really going inside and become building a pathway to that inner strength, right? So the so back to the conscious, you actually have to. It takes energy, yeah. And the self awareness and people, everybody has blind spots. That's right. But that first point is I have to be aware. First, uh, that, first point is become conscious. And then yeah. I actually, if I'm trying to change something, I have to consciously, which takes a lot of energy, right? Yeah. But then what you're saying is now. Where the challenge it always faces is how do I tap into that universal or the universe, right? The, this yeah. vast unconscious mind. How do I do that? That's through the process of meditation. Right. So primarily. What, so the beginning is like, okay, the conscious, I'm aware of it. I try to create, you know, open up my blind spots. And then right. from there, I move into the subconscious. Well, you move through the subconscious pretty quickly. Quickly. Yeah. Right. You're saying, okay, my foot, I'm not aware of my foot, but now I'm going to take my attention now I'm, Why aren't quick... you aware of your foot? Because your your awareness is more focused on what it is your mind is pointing it to. Sure. But that, you don't have to be limited by that. Right. You can expand your awareness. And that's what you're saying. Yeah. You can expand that yeah. as time yeah. goes on. Right. So now the it's like my my radar screen is growing and growing exactly. and growing. Exactly. Yeah. To the point that, oh, yeah, oh, that shoulder's tense. I better relax that muscle. I don't want to end up with a headache. Versus having to focus on the shoulder. Instead of just having to say, oh, what's this? Yeah, yeah. Why is my shoulder frozen or why right. I'm having whatever? Right. So eventually you're moving into the... But the challenging piece is what you're talking about right now where you're going is how do you tap into the yeah. unconscious mind? And, that's, and that takes training because the unconscious is very deep and very hidden. And it takes, if you just jumped into your unconscious, you'd be, you'd be psychotic. So it's a gentle exploration. And mm. this is why meditation is such a powerful tool. Sure. You gradually expand your awareness into these resources. Mm. Now, there's some things that you can go quickly. For instance, when we talk about the, later on, we'll talk about the three states of knowledge. The most powerful knowledge is hidden mm. in the unconscious. But we can access that. And we can access that fairly quickly, mm. particularly the, the lower level of that knowledge where it's very helpful for us in, a, in the real world and what we call the material world here, right? But we'll come to that in a minute. So back to your original, you were just talking about like, like confidence, if it's all based on my success, that's really fragile. That's extremely fragile. Because it can come and go. Yeah. How many, how many executives have you worked with when you, after you really got to know them, their real fear was people are going to find out that I'm not really as good as I think I am. 
<laughs> That's rampant. Well, you think about sports or athletics or you know whatever business or whatever. Right. Yes, right. right. People mm -hmm. really don't have genuine confidence because they're not in touch with their inner strength. And the inner strength. And that, that process occurs when you practice stillness and particularly when you develop the power of meditation. That takes time. Right. You know, this is, this is not an easy thing in the sense of that you can just go out, take a technique and you'll learn it next week. No, no, this is a journey that we're on. Through but I think lifetime. all of us have, have had these insights that right. we're taking a shower and all of a sudden this amazing thought comes in your mind exactly or exactly. I'm taking Floyd for a walk in the woods and all that thinking wow this is a new this is something about my new book all of a sudden, you know versus it's there yeah it just I had to be in a certain spot for it to come out but how do I access it you had it, to stop this monkey mind a little bit stop the monkey preoccupations mind. right but you'll, you'll pass through subconscious subconscious isn't that relevant to anything right really, but it's really this the yeah, unconscious so. it's really the unconscious process and you have to what you're saying right now is if you tap into that it has you have to have now we get up this in this stillness yeah look this the mind creates three different kinds of knowledge right first one everybody knows about you read books you study to train your analytic abilities as, as best as you can you may study logic or whatever you need to do uh, that's problematic because it's your from your perspective Another perspective may see it quite differently and mm, come up with correct. a totally different that's, answer. That's politics, right? <laughs> you know, oh, God, I wish it was. These people don't listen to each other, right. so how can that happen? Right. Right? But, you know, that's why it's useful to have different cultures intermingled or why it's different to have different perspectives on a team. Sure. Because you'll stimulate greater depth in the thinking mm -hmm. with that process. Back to the knowledge. Right. But, but the, the, there's error in that. We can always make errors in our logical processes and thinking. Logic doesn't, logic, logic doesn't tell you truth. Logic helps you minimize error. Mm. That's all it does. Okay. Minimize error. Okay. But it's, it's a useful tool. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a more sophisticated knowledge we call instinct. Instinct is your mind's ability to perceive. It's, it's not an analytic process. So that's number two is instinct. Yeah, number two is instinct. Got it. It's not an analytic process. You don't think about it. It's a perceptual process. It comes through the sensory mechanisms where you literally see an event in your mind's eye that will either mm. help you or hurt you. Your mind will tell you that if you listen to it. And people, always, it comes through the senses, so you hear think, people say, well, that... That doesn't smell right to me. Yeah. Or this doesn't feel right, right? That looks funny to me. They're using some sensory expression mm. of that. But if you learn how to tune that, that is an extremely powerful tool. I'll give you a silly example. I remember driving down, I was working in Washington, D.C. Uh, with the uh, NSA, National Security Agency leadership. And I'm going down through Pennsylvania. And when you come into Maryland, there's a little bridge there and a road, and I was about three miles from that, maybe four miles from that, and doing about 85 mile an hour because I, I like speed, right? Yeah. And I didn't see any cops. And all of a sudden, this picture of my man came a black car and a white car, and I said, two cops are up there. Went right back down to 70 mile an hour. I got up there. There was a, a black car on this the Pennsylvania side, a white car on the, on the um, uh, other state side. Maryland side. Sure. And I saw that in my mind's eye very clearly. That's instinct. Right? So that's useful. But instinct comes through the sensory processes, same level where your emotions reside, are stimulated by that. Mm. So people confuse their desires and their fears with instinct. 
How many times have you worried, oh my God, that, that might happen. I got to be careful, but it was just a fear. Just a fear. Mostly. Not an instinct. You, with, when you learn to pay attention, and if you think you have an instinct, write it down and keep track. Was it right or wrong? Mm. And how did it feel? And you can very quickly begin to differentiate between an instinctual bit of knowledge and a desire or a fear because they feel differently in the body. Mm. They're presented differently through the system. So that's an exercise itself is just write yes. that down. Yeah, that's an exercise. Is it a itself. fear or is it really a... Yeah, I think I have an instinct. This is going to happen. And right. say, hmm, that didn't happen. Right. And, well, that did happen. Well, that's interesting. What was the difference between the What's two? interesting, like our animals, like, you know, your pets and things like that, how... They how, got it, yeah. Yeah, the, the instincts are just so good. So do primitive people. Sure. We just, we've become so, quote, civilized. Yeah. And we're so caught up with the material stuff, we lose awareness of that potential of the mind mm. or that power in the mind. It's there. We don't have to create it. All we have to do is open up our awareness to that. Right. And as you go inside and expand in their awareness, that becomes more and more accessible. Like the gut, you know, the second brain is the gut that it, here comes oh, the instinct. Yeah. Well, you know, you can cut the whole nervous system to yeah. your gut and it, it'll work itself. Right. right? <laughs> I don't know if it'll do any good, but it'll work itself. <laughs> now, now it comes to the interesting part. The third level of mind is what people call intuition. But if you read some of these books that are written about that, they have no understanding of what's going on internally at all. Mm. And instinct and intuition are constructed differently in the mind. They come from two different ways. Mm. Now, we talked about analytic thinking. We talked about perception through the senses. Intuition has nothing to do with sensory input. Intuition is all an energetic process. So I talked about that briefly the other day when I talked about this. If, if you have a game on your computer and I like that game, you say, don't, oh, don't, don't pay for that. Here, give me a flash drive. And you copy that. And I put it in my computer. We have the same identical electromagnetic field. Well, we live in a quantum reality. We convert the quantum reality into a material thing or a thought, or a feeling, mm -hmm. right? Sure. But it's still, at the, at the basic, it's quantum. That means it's an energy movement. At this level of mind, the mind takes on the same energy movement, so you know the object from the inside out. So it's a way of mm. saying, I see the subtle connection here, so I see the reality. And habit, and past learning, and emotions have nothing to do with that. So you get the reality clearly as it is, not as you have learned to see it. And we've all had this experience. Think about the time when you wanted to do something, and you thought, yeah, I, I really want to do that. And your friends say, yeah, you really got to do that. But right before you did it, a thought passed through your mind, very still, very quiet, said, better not do that. You pause for just a second, and then all that desire comes forward, and the mind says, no, no, you're going to do that, right? You do it two weeks later, everything falls apart, and you say to yourself, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Right. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know how to access mm. that, because to do that requires stillness. The most effective, if you've got a problem to solve, and you need insight into that The intuition. Into, into, you need intuition. We need real wisdom, insight into that. Real wisdom. Learn how to sit still. Mm. And what I ask people to do is sit still for 60 minutes, don't move. Usually it takes about 45 minutes, you'll get the answer. I, had a, I worked for um, one, of my, one of my clients was the CEO of Dow Jones at one time. 
And uh, he said, Phil, I, I know what you're talking about. He says, my way is that when I get something I just can't get a handle on. He says, I built an extra water heater in my house. I go home, I turn the hot water on, I sit in the shower for an hour and I don't move. I just sit there. He says, I walk out of there every time I know exactly what needs to be done. That's the insight. Just taking a shower for an hour. Yeah, I said, you wasted, you wasted money, you waste water. You don't have to sit in the water. <laughs> yeah. Just sit. Just sit. <laughs> well, or when you go for a walk. When you take your mind off of it and let everything rest and you're not preoccupied with anything, then that insight can work its way up through the noise mm -hmm. of the mind and you can have it. Sometimes. So to really tack, you know, tap into that intuition, here comes the stillness. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the stillness, like you said, sometimes it might, you know, like if you're looking mm -hmm. at the unconscious mind, all of a sudden these things might come in, right. but it's because you were still. Right. And there's, there's ways that you can work with the mind to build that. You don't have to get to where your mind is perfectly still. Mm -hmm. That's one way to do it. As you practice your meditation, those insights and access come easier. You know, when you're working on your book, all of a sudden you yeah. get insight. When I, when I would write my right. book, if I'd run into a problem, I, I let it go. And then I just sit for quietly and all of a sudden, okay, now I know. I know what to do. Right? It's interesting, you know, like writing the book, you and I have talked a lot about this, but uh, you have to put in the time. You have to put in the time. Because people don't understand that you can't hack that. It's like cat can sleep. You can't force sleep. You can't right. force this out. You have to let it come out and you have to put yourself in that position or that environment okay. to allow that to come out. Well, you know, people who really get focused on a project and they, and they're, they may spend weeks and there may be a team of them, but they're really focused on that. After three, four weeks, all of a sudden, things begin to pop up for right. them because of the degree of right. focused concentration on that point. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden it comes out, bubbles yeah. out, and you're like, what the heck? It always happened to me when it, it would destroy my meditation. I'd be in meditation. When I'm writing a book and I've had a problem, right. I'd be in meditation. All of a sudden the whole chapter would come full-blown in my mind. Well, one of the things I tell people all the time to help them kind of quiet themselves at night, but have a something on their nightstand that they could write if they have these things, they can't get them out of their mind. Yeah. Or they have, and so I do that now with my book. I'm I, all of a sudden something just pops up, and I got and I write it down, and then it allows me to just kind of let it go, let yeah. it go. Because right. if you think, well, I'll write it in the morning. In the morning, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, it's buried under the noise. It's, it's buried under the noise. Yeah, it's buried right. under the noise. So, so back to the three levels of knowledge. Do, you know, when we're when you're teaching that, do most people know that? No. Three levels. So they no. think of the knowledge mostly as the reading and the, yeah. the learning and right. all that stuff. And the next piece is you got to get into Well, the, some you know, people have some general idea of instinct. They say, oh, yeah, right. my, my wife knows when the right. kids are hurt or something like that. We all yeah. have that. Instinct. But there's, there's, there's a subtlety here that's really interesting. You'd be very instinctual about your kids, but not about the neighbor's kids. Mm. Why is that? Because you don't have the same love and concern for the neighbor kids that you had for your kids. Mm. If you had the same love and concern for the neighbor kids you had for yours, you'd have the same instinctual ability about those kids. Mm. Right? Because you're open to be receptive to these people. You can't talk to a, a person whose mind is closed. It's, it's, you're wasting time. Mm -hmm. Right? People who have a closed mind have a defense mechanism that's already set up. They're already angry at other people or afraid, or hostile, or whatever, but the barrier is made. If you have an open heart, where is the barrier? Right. So you, as, a, as an open-hearted person, 
you automatically begin to be aware of more and more information about those people around you and the environment around you. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, you've seen my many of my presentations, yeah. I get the audience up moving at the very yeah. begin, beginning because there's a lot of that hand already. They don't want to be there. They yeah. don't like you. They've never met you. Oh, yeah. They don't like you. I always tell my audiences 20% don't like me before I even begin. Exactly. But part of the movement allows them to maybe just kind of relax a little bit. And, I, I did, uh, you know. I did a, a program for a regional financial firm down out of Philadelphia, and they had been in meetings all day, right? And I walked in there, and the energy was... Just, yeah. It was just... So low. So low. So I said, wow, you guys need to energize. So I said, okay, we're going to do an exercise for your throat. You know what the lion posture is? Yeah. This brings your yeah. brings a, a blood flow to your throat. Sure. If you've got a sore throat, it really helps, right? So I had them all do the lion posture. They were laughing so hard, and I had them <laughs> sit down. The energy room just started going Ex up, and it exploded. just kept building with that right. because they were ready to listen. And they were ready to learn. They were ready to learn. Right. So yeah. now we moved into... So, so let's go back to the intuition. How do you, so when you're teaching people, how do they tax, tax, you know, tax into that, you know, third well, way to Well, of course, meditation knowledge. is the way that you build a permanent access here mm -hmm. and, and ease of access to your intuition. But there are ways that what happens is you want to change the mind and make the mind receptive. So there are like little psychological techniques, like uh, if I'm uh, taking somebody through a, uh, uh, an exercise to tap into their creativity, for instance, mm -hmm. which is a big part. A big part of your intuition can fit right into that process because sure. you see things differently. Well, then I'll have them picture themselves going down a stairwell into a deep basement. And then they're facing a, a door and a sign on the door says creativity, but it's locked. I said, okay, someone comes and gives you the key. Who is it gives you the key? And we go through a whole story about that. I remember doing that one of those stories yeah, with you we did that and i really felt like i'm actually in you you walked us through the whole house yeah and i remember i i actually i, I could see myself in that right in that that room and yeah. that door and that but it was how how did you get us to go in that journey when this you know, when it's just all through the imagination and it was like, oh my gosh, this is so powerful. What do you think imagination is? Right, it's just crazy. <laughs> and, but but I think everybody felt the same way. Like yeah. we were all living that same journey. Yeah. But if, but if I ask you what you all found in that room, notice how different it was. Completely different. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes what you'll pick up in the room has a direct response to the question you mm. needed to answer for yourself. Mm. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just intuition doesn't always say this, this, this. Sometimes it says, hey, look over that way. Sometimes it just gives an indication and not, not tell you everything about it because you don't have full access. Most full people, access when they start it. meditation, they really realize that they're getting into the unconscious. They're learning no. about intuition. They're not... No, because well, most people, they start meditation because they want to feel better mm -hmm. or they think, oh, well, this is interesting. Let me pursue that. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the whole dynamics that are going on. The dynamics, right. You know, but you know, I've been at this 50 years, so I, you know, I really I want to understand why is that why do they call it that and what what is the symbolism here right imagery in the mind can be one of the most powerful tools that you have mm -hmm. and there are people who've talked about that affirmations for instance yeah. is another form of imagery it's just in the it's in the verbal form instead of the pictorial form well it's interesting like you know you know like matt and mark and you know we like to, we love to play golf you oh. know matt and mark are high level golfers and yeah, yeah you know i'm a decent golfer but 
I remember I was playing with a guy last week and he says, I remember the two greatest shots I've ever seen anybody hit was you. And I'm like, well, you know, and he went to this hole and it, and it was, and so I kept thinking about that. What was that after we wow. got done playing? What was it? Why they hit the great shot? Because I, I knew I had to hit this shot through these trees, but I only had this little window. Right. But I could, I am, I had that imagery. You must have been in a hell of a spot. I was in a spot. I was in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I only had one shot. Yeah. And that was, I had to put it on the green or I, I was going to probably lose the hole. So I didn't have a shot like chipping it out or whatever, yeah. you know, it wasn't going to happen. So he goes, I, he, I go, I can, th- I think I can hit it right through that hole. And he says to me, there is no hole there. I go, well, there, the hole's big enough for a ball. You know, it's about, you know, the size of a basketball. But I said, if I just hit it just perfect, it can go right through that hole. And so he says, you talking about it. And I kept thinking, I can hit it through that hole. And then I hit it through the hole and it went on the green and I two-putted it. And what was your attitude about that shot? I just knew I could do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, you knew you could do it. And then I say to myself, okay, I put the ball on a tee with a big driver. There's nothing around. And I hit it all over the place. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, so what was the difference there? It was that, you know, like, like it was that spot, that focus, that energy, that confidence that I can do that. And then I'm standing on a tee box where they have a huge fairway and I hit it, you know, off the plant. Yeah, but you had that spot. Had that spot. You had to focus. And so when you were talking about that earlier, I'm like, gosh, that's so, how do you, and again, back to how do we, ex, you know, access that. More Remember when I talked about meditation as being one point. It's one focus, right? It's one point. Where were you on that shot? One point. One point. One point. And your skill and your body was right, good enough to do that. That wasn't the. It concern. was the one point. It was the one point. I just again, we you know you learn this, but how how do you more consistently bring it into your life, including yeah. like playing golf? Well, then of course you practice, don't you? You practice, it. and isn't that the problem with going into a corporation? Correct. That they want to say, well, come in and give us a half, uh, an hour, or maybe, whoa, or maybe a day, or maybe a half day, or whatever. So, so from a training standpoint, what, what do you see in that world? So, we talked about this a little bit before, but again, back to that one point one spot. How do we do this? But you're talking about it has to go in. We have to have time and space. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, pe- people like gimmicks. They want something quick and easy to do. But when you're talking about skill development, it has to be space training over time. Mm, over time. And, and if that, you're not going to get much. You can waste a lot of money by, by getting quick, easy answers. Because we're talking about this today. There's a lot of apps out there. There's a lot of technology right. in this right now. And there's some amazing apps and so forth. But what we're talking about, there's not a lot of training to go with that tool. That's right. And if you don't have the, the space and the time, you know, s- spread out, it's just, again... Realistically thinking, how many people, after they look at that thing once or twice, then go to it? Mm-hmm. I would bet 98% don't. Well, and I think the other thing, too, sometimes we talk about nutrition is that the more you teach people behind the curtains, the more powerful it becomes. That's right. And so if you understand it, intuition you understand instinct you understand how it works and how why it works and yeah. why it works then it becomes much more but that's that's not being taught in no. my opinion no that, you know, well, they don't, gonna, corporations think they don't want to spend the money to train they just want some answers real quick mm-hmm. and then they want to keep going what they're doing Yeah, because the challenge we face sometimes is we already have a wellness program mm-hmm. and we already have this weight loss program we already have this you know meditation program we already have all these right but one of the things we come back is you don't have the training. You can, yeah. These are just tools. 
but there's no training. Yeah, well, well mindfulness training, for instance. What is mindfulness training? I don't know, because they say, well, you pay attention to what you're doing right now. That's good, right? Nah. But there's got to be more to it. Well, again, there's, to it's, it. this is very deep. It can yeah. go super deep, but it's super, super powerful. How can you do mindfulness training unless you're skilled in breath awareness? Well, how can you teach meditation when you haven't taught, right? When you haven't taught meditation, when you haven't done it yourself. Well, you got to do the beginning. Yeah. So if you're looking at all that, when you go back to the training, the big thing you're trying to, and, but that's the frustration I think we both face. Yeah. Is they, there's no time. That's what they say. And there's no, it's not repetitive over, like if you're trying to get good at anything, you got to put in some time and effort. That's right. And hacking it, which we hear all the time, I'm going to hack this, I'm going to hack this, it, it, it doesn't work. No, and, and you know, you can get some satisfaction and say, well, I think I did something here, but what's the, what are the real long-term consequences? Yeah. There's nothing there. Right. And what do you want to deal with? You want to deal with right now and feel this and say, okay, I did this, okay, I'm done. And then a week later, you're still in trouble. Yeah. So if you were if you were designing, let's just say you had a company, because this again, this is our world. You yeah. and I, this is how we met. But if you had a company and you said, okay, what do I need from that company? So how much time do I need, and what what would be some of the processes along the way? So for example, if we're going to teach some of this learning how to use the mind and how to calm, create stillness and all that. How much time do we need? I don't think you need much time to get the basic training in, but you need that person to come back again Correct. in a month or in a week or right. two weeks, whatever time they set up, I think most, most uh, is best. And then and keep that going for a period of six months. Mm -hmm. And then find some people in the company who say, oh, well, I really like this. Okay, you're going to be the team leaders for this right. for this particular right. training. See, you're going to make sure everybody's moving along the line. And, and you work with a partner. You work with a training partner or a buddy Correct. to, to check on each other. It's so just like you're working out. You have a personal trainer or yeah. you have a exercise buddy. Yeah. It's the same. As we mentioned before, everybody's interested in changing the you know, training the body, but they're not training. And maybe the mind. you bring bring the original trainer back in after six months and say, "Okay, we're going to have a session now. Uh, I want to know what difficulties you're having, where where's the problems you have, and let's solve those so that mm -hmm. you can keep moving forward." Yeah. Because a lot of the beginning stuff doesn't take a lot of time. No. You know, teach you how to you know diaphragmatic breathe. Teach you how to why the nose is so important. Why, teach, well, how to do breath awareness. How to do breath awareness. But actually take the time to practice to it. Practice there. it, yeah. correct. And then from there we can move into learning more about the the the, the knowledge. You know, yeah. it's the it's you know it's the conscious and unconscious and subconscious, and then we get into the instinctive and we get into the intuition and all. I mean, it's just a it's just a it's just a it's you're like you're going through a. A course. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I, well, that's how you learn, isn't right. it? Right. How many times, how many Olympics, how many Olympic athletes have a coach that stays with them the whole time? Right. Right? Well, we don't have to do that, but we can build in the systems that'll right. provide the support. I can't tell you how many times I've had a client say, Well, I want you to talk about stress, but teach them about concentration and meditation too, and everything. I say, Are You kidding me? On an hour Zoom call? Yeah. What am I going to teach them? Right. I'm going to say, Well, this is possible. Well, we had one just recently. I had uh, 15 minutes to kind of explore all this stuff. I'm like, well, I, I can tell you, I, I'll, let's go really deep 
for 15 minutes on this one subject. Well, no, we don't want that. We want this. We want everything. We want everything. So well, we don't have to par you again. So 35 years of this stuff, I'm going to have to put it down into 15 minutes, you know. But again, that's yeah. we're asking the wrong yeah. things. Yeah. We're not being curious about the training over time. Yeah. And and what are the, people don't understand the real possibilities that open up. You know, when you've got an angry employee, you've got an employee who's not going to be very productive. Mm -hmm. When the morale is low, your productivity is low. And one of the things we know about our training that we did together was that was an incredible morale booster. Right. We had these people talking about this for years, not yeah. days or months, but years. Years. They're still talking about it. Yeah. We still talk to them. Yeah. So a big thing you said yesterday was being cheerful. Yeah. And how that's so critical to the learning process, to everything about it. You know, when we talked about that autonomic nervous system, we talked about the parasympathetic side, which hardly anybody talks about. When you're angry or upset, when you're hard on yourself, when you're depressed, that is damaging to the immune system. Like you, you, you can measure the, the right. damage to it. Right. It's just awful. So what, who, what's the opposite of being depressed? Being cheerful. Right. But how do you be cheerful? By not disturbing yourself. Right. See, it all fits together. I mean, right. where do, what what part of the pie do you want to stop? Right. start eating, you know? Because we talked about, okay, with COVID and everything else that's going on, you got it, you know, and the cancer and the immune system yeah. and everything else. But why are we not connecting the mind to the gut and the gut to the mind and it yeah. all works together? Because exactly. if you're disturbed, you cannot have a healthy immune system. That's right. If you're cheerful... You're going to perform better. You're going to so, perform better. So, in, in, whether it's a corporation or an individual, if you're trying to perform better in any part of your life, we got to get you in that state. People who love doing what they do are top performers. Mm -hmm. Why can't you get everybody to love what they're doing? Right, and being that in whole engagement piece. Yeah. And and again, why are they not engaged? Why are they not engaged? And generally, they're because they're not healthy. They're not healthy. They're unhappy. They got right. difficulties. They don't know how to handle their emotional. But that's reactions. part of being healthy. That's all part it's of being healthy. Getting that yeah. balance. You know, I, the the greatest disease we have in the country is not a physical or psychological disease. It's loneliness. Loneliness is not a physical disease. It's not a psychological problem. It's a spiritual problem, mm -hmm. and it's created naturally because of the ego function of making me separate from others. Mm -hmm. And until you're able to resolve that ego problem of seeing other people as separate from you, is they're going to be different, but they don't have to be separate. You'll never get rid of loneliness. Mm. Only by going into that spiritual self, or the spiritual image. We get rid of mind, body, and spirit. Everybody talks about mind, body, and spirit. Right. Who knows anything about the spiritual practices? Well, meditation is one. Right. Contemplation is one. Contemplation. Prayer is one. What was the other one? Prayer, prayer is yes. one. But people, well, I don't want your religion. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about developing an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude. But this whole thing gets into this is all turns into skill. You got to learn how to absolutely. And, and it's it's a practice, and it's so deep and so powerful. Right. But sometimes it's. I think the big thing there's so too much blind spot. People aren't yeah. even. First thing you talked about is. Awareness. One of the things you, I just want to kind of touch into as we wrap this up um, is you have done many times these silent retreats. Yes. And you do them in Montana. Yeah. 
And you've talked to me, I remember the first time I said, hey, Phil, I want to come out to the mine. I want to come out to the silent retreat. You said, I don't think you're ready yet. And I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe he's right. Maybe I'm not ready for that. But then I, I did a thing and I was talking to you about this. And you said, when you travel, I really want you to be still. Yeah. Because when you're traveling by yourself. That's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity. And said, you know, and if you're spoken to, you can respond. You, you need to be polite. You don't you're polite. Need to, yeah, yeah. And you can smile and all that. Besides that, you're not talking. Yeah. You're, and, I, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a powerful thing that I, I would do it. And I would be so excited. Like today, I'm going by myself and I'm going to wherever. And I'm going to be quiet. And the stuff that around me, like you said, now my sensory, I'm not, I don't have to worry about focusing on my no. foot. No, your accentuated awareness expands. It, it expanded. Yeah. And I thought, wow, what a gift. What happened to your energy levels? Oh, my, I was just, I, I was just, I was so in tune to so many things. Yeah. It like, it's like I lost a, a sense and the sense become more sensitive. Like you hear that when people become blind, they become more sensitive. Yeah. They, their sensories. Their other sensory modalities. So when I wasn't yeah. speaking, I felt like everything else was, lit up my eyes my ears yeah. my you know touch i i was like a gift one of the things that i have people do once in a while just for fun is you get good at breath awareness then go for a walk in nature just doing breath awareness you're going to be amazed at what you hear and what you see there's a story of the, of the great emperor who wanted his son to become a good emperor too. He was a good emperor, right? He treated his people well. They, everything was calm and peaceful. And he wanted his son to learn. So he sent him to the great sage up in the mountains. Sage says, yes, I know your father sent you here. He says, now, what I want you to do is go over here and you're going to be in that forest by yourself. I want you to sit there for six months. Come back and tell me what you hear. And the student come back. He says, master, he says, I heard some most interesting things. I heard a birds, different bird songs. I heard the trees rustling. And Master says, mm. he says, go ahead. He says, okay, go back another six months and just sit and listen. Just be still, right? Guy come back, he says, Master, I heard the, the, the bud of the grass growing out of the ground. I heard the dew forming on the grass. Master says, now go back to your father. You're prepared to listen to others. Wow. All right. I thought, man, that's a good story. It's a great story. Yeah, you, you get you pick these up in martial arts training every once. Well, I was I was telling you yesterday. Have you read the book, um, Wisdom of the Donkeys? No, I'm really I'm gonna I'm gonna pick that up. Man. So when I'm writing this writing this, you know, again a lot of inspirations yeah. from you. But in my new book, I have a whole section on um, stillness. Yeah, good. So it's it's just all about stillness. I can I can hardly you know. wait to read this so, thing you're writing. So man. I uh, have my howdy doody writing. But I started, I was fascinated by the donkeys because I was in the Grand Canyon climbing the North Rim. Yeah. And this is a handful of years ago. And the North Rim, for those who are not familiar, it's super steep, it's very dangerous. People die in it every day, they don't talk about it. But it's the super switchback climbs up the North Rim. Well, I'm almost to the top and the next thing I know, I see these four donkeys coming up the North Rim with riders on their back. And I'm like, who would ever get on any animal <laughs> And ride up this amazing, I mean, you could fall and you'd debt. You're in this 2,000 foot yeah. drop, whatever. So I was talking to the park rangers the next day, and I'm like, I, uh, I got to ask a question. What's the deal with these donkeys going up the North Rim? And he goes, Well, the donkeys are the most calm, surreal animals of, of anything, and they're strong. 
and their their endurance is fantastic. They're like a gift. And I'm like, wow. wow. And he goes, do they ever get spooked? He goes, never. Wow. We've never lost a donkey in the Grand Canyon. We've lost riders because they were fearful and they just jumped off, but the donkey never has fallen in the Grand Canyon. Wow. And I'm like, that's unbelievable. So then I wrote, read the book, The Wisdom of the Donkeys, and it's all about the calmness of the donkey and whatever. And so that really hit me like, how do you become more still? Look how animals have that refined instinct. They'll leave an area before an earthquake occurs. They know something's going on, so they leave. Right. Right? They know, they know the predator's coming. They know yeah. the, 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 it's going to rain. Ever, or If you ever try to get rid of a groundhog, the moment you open a window, <laughs> that groundhog's gone. Yeah. You look at them and the groundhog stops mm. and, and is sensitive to what? They feel that. Mm-hmm. Look, we live in a field of energy. We, we don't understand this. We live in a quantum reality and we don't deal with it. We don't right. deal with it in medicine. We don't deal in chemistry yet. They're just beginning to, right? But this is a field of energy. We are constantly interacting with that field of energy. So you walk into a room, if you walk, you go home and, and Paul is really angry at you and you don't know, but you go home, you walk in the door, you know it immediately. Oh gosh, you? in a oh, second. Because the whole atmosphere is gone, man. Completely. Oh, oh, I'm in trouble or something's so, going so on. So again, I read a book years ago called Power Versus Force. Huh. And it was all about different words like, you know, shame and guilt, and mm-hmm. and they had energy vibe to them. Right. And it was fascinating to me. It's everything you're talking about right, right now. That's interesting. I never heard everything. That book. Yeah, I'll show it to you. I have it. Yeah. I have it tonight. I'll show it to you. But it really hit me like, wow. You mean the conversations I have with myself creates different energy? Of course it does. Of course it does. Yeah. Right. But again, it's just part of that awareness. Like yeah. most people are not aware that yeah. so now that self talk is damaging them. Go back to your question about cheerfulness. What are you creating? Right. Right? You right. have a choice. Right. My master taught me one time, a real, it was really early. We were sitting in the back room of a YMCA in Minneapolis, and it was finished in that industrial fashion where all they show the pipes and everything. And I'm looking up there, and we're just waiting for him to be called to go out and talk. And I'm looking up there, and I think, well, that's ugly. And at that moment, he says, hey, Sonny, isn't that a beautiful ceiling? And I, I thought, no, what am I going to say now, right? right? I got to be honest. I said, well, so I said, you know, actually, it looks kind of ugly to me. He said, look, son. He says, you can look up there and see ugly. Your mind is filled with ugly. Mm. Or you can look up there and see beauty, and your mind is filled with beauty. Mm. Which do you choose for yourself? Right. I have never forgotten that moment he said that to me. Now, again, we I use go back to golf, but I was playing with these guys, I don't know, a month or so ago. And one of the guys I'm playing with, he goes, are you always so positive on the golf course? And I thought to myself, no. But today, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to come with all the positivity. And he goes, it's just a treat to play with you because you're bringing all this positivity. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't do this most of the time with myself. So why am I bringing all the positivity here? But I'm not bringing, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's pa- yeah. So then I keep thinking, well, every time I'm going to go out, I'm going to have a good time and play. And it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, really does matter. It? No, it doesn't no. really matter. Because all of it is, is basically what I'm t- yeah. telling myself, right? Yeah, exactly. And then generally exactly. when you become more cheerful, you, you play better. Yeah. And well, you feel better. Everything about it's better. Yeah, look at the story you told me about the, the was a Spanish golfer or the... Uh, yeah, Sergio Garcia. Sergio Garcia, yeah. yeah. I was watching that when he was uh, playing in the PGA and 
he's going head to head with Tiger and he's 19 years old and the guy's laughing and carrying on. He's just unbelievable. Yeah. And then as he's gotten older, which you see that with, you know, any lots of sports, it becomes more fearful maybe. He doesn't look at it because he's have as much fun. And I could, yeah. if we can come back to that the childhood play. comes routine in his right. mind, so it's not fun anymore. Not fun anymore. So he lost what we call beginner's mind. Right, beginner's mind. You know, someone, you just begin something, you're really focused on oh. it. Right? And, but if you've done it a hundred times, you say, oh, okay, uh, you've lost the attention. Well, I, I tell a story in my book about you and I having dinner one night, and then we were talking about the beginner's mind, and I said, um, you said something about, now, Chris, if you went into a classroom and you ask all these second graders a question, how many hands would go up? And you said, and I said, well, and you said all of them. And I thought, you know what? You're right. Every second grader would raise their hand. Yeah. They would all participate. Yeah. You now, if you come into the same same conversation with adults or high school students or high school or, students, they're not raising their hand. Yeah. <laughs> because high school students for yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't, there's no joy right. in this educational and I'm system. Like, oh my gosh, these second graders are so excited about every little thing. Yeah. Yeah, they're in that beginner's mind. They haven't realized that they're being judged yet. Right. How would you like to be know that everything you do, you're going to be judged on it? What is this? We're, How can I'm you learn if be, you're being judged? Oh my God, right? I got to do the best, right? Yeah. There's no you're, fun here. You're locked up. You can't. can't that's, do that. that's what I liked about working with you, and actually Matthew too. It was fun for us. It was fun. It was fun for us. We they, loved being up there. Doing well, that. it's funny. They all you know, the people we were training all said the same thing. You guys are having a lot of fun. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself one day, I'm like, I get paid to do this? This is unbelievable. <laughs> and we got paid pretty well. Yeah, I thought that my whole life. I I'm said, like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is this is absolutely joyful, yeah, to, to, is joyful. To, to do all this stuff. So, But one last thing here. So I think what we're really coming at around about is how do you create more stillness? And that's a big... I think a big challenge I face with a lot of people, they don't, there's no stillness. If, if people would just sit for five minutes a day, just sit down and just watch their breath, just to start training it. And then maybe an, another thing they could try is maybe at the end of the day, they sit down for about 15 minutes and say, okay, how did my day go? And what did I like and what didn't I like? Mm -hmm. And just sort of get quietly and contemplate it. Not to change anything, not to be better, not to be worse, but just to look and see. That's another way that you begin to be quiet inside. And as simple as it is, five minutes. That's not anything. You start doing that over time. Yeah. Then that's where the... It slowly expands. Right. The interesting thing about meditation, as you get more and more skilled internally, the things that disturb you drop away like ripe fruit mm -hmm. off a tree. You don't have to fix anything. We don't have to, as human beings, we don't have to fix anything. We have to learn how just to be quietly human. Right. And being human, and we, so we, we, our anger disappears, our fear disappears, our frustrations disappear, and the things we think we have to have disappear, and we become more content with what is there in front of us. And it's such a skill and a yeah. gift to it's you. It's a gift of, to ourselves. Right, yeah. and then a gift eventually to others to others yeah well we treat others like we treat ourselves mm -hmm. inside yeah in our world we need to treat everybody yeah. as... somebody said once asked me they said how do you decide on who to vote for for president or any position i said i look for the person who's most selfless who is a person who is really selfless 
wanting to serve instead of becoming a bigger ego. Mm -hmm. That that's that's all I look for. Belief systems are belief systems. Systems are systems. Yeah. yeah that, argue it out. Let's let's find mm -hmm. out what what we'll try and experiment and then shift right. if we need to. But if they're not selfless, nobody's going to benefit. And I think this is such a skill that, like you said, to, to you give yourself. Yeah. But then eventually, yeah. the bottom line is you're giving it to others. The happiest people I know are people who are just in service of others. Right. That's it. They don't need anything. They don't want anything. Just let me help you. Yep. Well, thank you, my friend, for oh, uh, again spending the time. I it's mean, this is fun. yeah, it's always a treat talking yeah. to you. So, yeah. um, thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>